Welcome back to another episode of the Second City Hockey Podcast, the first episode of 2019. Brad Rufflinger, Brandon Kane, Dave Melton. Uh, on the uh, on the airwaves, gentlemen, happy uh, happy New Year since the last pod. How are we this evening? We're we're doing all right, Brandon. Brandon, I, I've great start. I've already called Clearly, you the wrong name. Yeah, yeah, Brandon. How are you doing? Yeah, I don't know who this Brad guy is. My doing great, Brad. Brad. How about you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm sore, man. I uh, just I'm back from the uh, from the Disney Marathon weekend. Shout out to uh, Orlando. Um, <laughs> Ran the 5K, 10K, and half marathon back-to-back-to-back to back to back days. And then oh did, we're happy for you. Did all the crazy-ass <laughs> park stuff afterwards and, and everything else. No, it's a good time. It's kind of fun to be a little kid like that and run around in the, run around in the theme parks and do the Mickey Mouse ears things and go on Splash Mountain. Hey, by the way, Splash Mountain, best like theme park ride of all time. I will fight anybody what? that says otherwise. Um, I... That's my take. Have, I'm standing by it. I don't have an I got, I don't have an answer or I don't have a counter for that, but that just that can't be true. There's no like way. Santa Claus world out there in Indiana. Come on, Dave. Like, like what are you gonna throw? Well, at? It, the, the town is called Santa Claus, Indiana. Produced one Jay Cutler, and uh, <laughs> I've never been there. So he's, he's a I know very, great story, he's, right? He's a very cavalry. Um, oh. I, I rode the, the dragster at uh, Cedar Point. That was terrifying. That's I, I there's got to be something at Cedar Point that's better than Disney World. Man, or better than Splash Mountain. The dragster at Cedar Point is like the epitome of my, you know, sex life because it's like this incredible <laughs> oh, experience oh, for about 30 oh, seconds. Oh, to <laughs> a roaring start. You peter out like right in the middle of it and then find your stride for just one last hurrah for the remaining 15 seconds of the ride and then it stops and like everybody gets back in line. And it's just honestly not worth the 2 hour wait for any of that to happen. So I like how you think that people get back in line. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, if you can't tell, this is going to be a spicier podcast for the uh, remainder of this. You see what this team is doing to us. I mean, coming in hot. Apparently, they can't win a game in regulation. Um, I left the state, and they hadn't won a game. Um. They've lost four in a row, uh, two in overtime. They at least got two points out of it, but uh, Debrinket's still pretty uh, badass. Delia's a legitimate dude in, in net, and uh, I think that's all we have to say about the big team. Yeah, I, yeah I, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, as far as positives, yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. Debrinket's still pretty kick-ass. Um, Kane's having himself probably the best year of his career, numbers-wise, and it's going to be a terrible season for wins. And uh, we are officially witnessing the resurgence of Jonathan Tays uh, after, a, after a couple of down seasons as well. But um, And then all they have to do is play like the 2013 Blackhawks. That might have been the best Blackhawks team ever assembled. And then they'll make the playoffs. Henry Yokiharu at some point is going to score a goal this season. Damn it! I I am not gonna rest on my laurels there. I, this is this is a thing. Maybe kind of. I hope. Damn no! It's gonna happen. Um, something something. This is the year. Um, what if Slater Cuckoo scores before Henry Yokiharu? <sighs> One more time, I need I need that name because that's an A plus pronunciation. Brandon Slater Cuckoo, K O E K K O E K. I'd like to buy a vowel. Um, 
Yeah, no, that's uh, that's about that's about enough of the big team as we need to cover at the moment. We actually wanted to jump into uh, some of the uh, the youngins for the uh, Chicago Blackhawks, as well as the youngins within the Chicago Blackhawks farm system, as the World Juniors tournament has finished up since the last time that we have assembled, as well as a brand new hot and fresh top twenty five under twenty five on SecondCityHockey.com. So we're going to do a quick little breakdown of the, uh, well, not necessarily of the World Juniors. We can talk about uh, what happened with the games and how there needs to be more tournaments like that in hockey, by the way. But we will also follow that up with a uh, an analysis of the top 25, under 25, as we have that full list available for you now on the website, so check that out. But the, uh, the 2019 World Juniors happening out in the uh, in the Canada. Uh, not out in the Canada, up in the Canada, where uh, your United States of America finished uh, runner-up to the Finns in the uh, in the championship game in what could only be described as a frustrating three to two loss to the Finns um, in a uh, in a in a very close game that uh, that game that game winning goal didn't that come down to like the last five minutes or something like that I I wasn't I don't have NHL Network but I remember seeing something about that. It was in the final two minutes. Uh, Yoki Haru sent a slap shot from the point, I believe, from the blue line. And uh, Capo uh, cleaned up the goods in front of the net for the, the golden goal. For the uh, golden for the goal. Yeah, eh, it's okay. At least we beat the Russians, which, uh, <laughs> you know. Any narrative you want to take away from that, feel free to go ahead and do that. But uh, no, this is a pretty uh, it's a it's a fun event, man. Like any any national tournament exhibition thing that happens in the middle of a season or even in the off season. I the one I'm the most familiar with, probably not appropriate for this podcast, but uh, is the um, is the World Baseball Classic uh, from a couple of years ago. I remember following that pretty intensively over the summer which was super entertaining, um, especially with the, uh, the teams that they had assembled. And even this uh, edition of the World Juniors was, was pretty stinking awesome. Um, the U.S. now coming into, uh, coming into what will be the 2020 tournament with four consecutive uh, finishes on the podium. They have two bronze medals and one gold, or two bronze medals, one silver from this year, and then one gold medal from 2017. So um, what do you guys think? Uh, we'll start with Brandon. What do you think about these junior events, kind of the importance of having them um, either taking place during the season or do you think they should move away from the regular season? Obviously there were a couple of Blackhawks that played in this event that did not play on the big team um, during some crucial games in the regular season. I air quote that everybody air or uh, crucial games this season. Um, But, uh, but Brandon, yeah. What do you think about, you know, kind of the, the national exhibition tournaments and how that works and, you know, maybe, you kind of branch that in. If you want to go to the Olympic talk and why the NHL needs to be in the Olympics, I'm totally fine with that as well. But uh, the floor is yours, my friend. Uh, I really like the World Juniors Tournament because it offers um, some time for NHL fans to see uh, prospects within their favorite team system as well as uh, some draft-eligible players that they're probably not able to see otherwise. Uh, Whether they're playing in college or overseas uh it gives you like a 
a platform to see those um, players play against uh, the best players in their age group. Um, I would really like if this tournament would stop being held in North America because as someone who lives in the States, it's so cool to wake up relatively early in the morning and just like flip on the TV or find some stream and watch hockey till like one in the afternoon, you know, in that window between Christmas and new year's and watch that. And then you can just like roll right into college football bowl games. Like that is, Mm. that is the best. And and nobody, and that's the week that nobody's at work anyway, because everyone takes that week off. So or yeah, even if right. yeah, or even if you're at work. Like, oh yeah, even so, if you're at work, you're not doing anything. That was me. Yep, same. Yeah, and I have to think that if it's held in Europe, which would be like the time difference equivalent to having games in the morning for mm-hmm. people in the states, um, it'd be just like the Premier League, right? Like, so like then, the Open. So leading into that, then you can have those games on uh, NBC Sports Network instead of NHL Network, so you have more viewers. Realistically. So I'm um, so down for that. Yeah, it, I think like this needs to get moved away from NHL Network as well. Um, and, and this is, I know at least with my television package, and I went the the HD route just to try to get more of the sports channels included. I know they've got like ESPNU and um, the most important golf channel. Um, <clears throat> I mean, NHL Network, yeah, whatever. Uh, no, NHL Network does not come standard with that package. So, I mean, I think that's that channel's becoming more and more of a reach for people that uh, may or may not pay for a full TV package like that. So, I'm all for moving it to like an NBC Sports Net or um, I know they've got like, and then there you go. You can couple that in with that NBC Sports Gold package that they've got streaming available and things like that too. I, so. ju- I just wonder if NBC Sports would take it just because I don't know. In the States, I don't know how many people are watching that tournament if they're getting enough ratings to justify putting it on TV. Right. That's, that's my only concern about, like, why, from an NBC Sports perspective, is people aren't going to watch it. And, um, you know, there's there's parts of the of the United States where people are going to watch a tournament like that, but there's, a, I'd say, the majority of the country couldn't care less. So mm-hmm. I think that's the that's the balance they got to they gotta walk there. Sure. Yeah. And, Along with the, like... Um, the coverage that they give the Premier League because Boxing Day is a huge day for that league um, throughout, like, not just NBCSN, but all of NBC Sports, like, affiliates and stuff because they have games that are on, like, MSNBC and CNBC mm-hmm. and whatever. And this probably They're doesn't make channel. a lick of sense to anyone who isn't living in the United States and watching this because they're just like, what? what are all these channels kind of deal? But I'm sure in Canada with, like, TSN, they have, like, it all covered and figured out because that's their deal. But yeah. And I, I think there's also the whole nationalism thing. It, it kind of stems over a little bit again, back to the Olympics conversation, you, how you would switch between all of the, you know, the NBC affiliates to get to different, you know, sporting events during either the winter or summer Olympics. And you just be flipping through to a bunch of channels and be like, Oh, look, there's, you know, I've got ski jumping on CNBC or whatever. And, you know, you'd you'd move through the the network type of deal, and again, I I think Christmas time is the you know that kind of obviously nobody's shout out to all the cube jockeys like Dave and myself that are riding <laughs> the uh, that are riding the pine there in the uh, on the front lines, but 
you know, we're not getting a whole lot done there. So yeah, I could absolutely stream some stuff there, make it a little more um, accessible. And I definitely think that again, the, the fact that it's a, it's a national tournament um, or a national exhibition, there's again, that kind of obligation or at least that sense of personal obligation to want to root for your country of origin. Um and or root against your least favorite country or whatever, you know, um, which, uh, which is cool. I think that's a thing that sports could use as a whole more of these, you know, exhibition tournament type things, but, um, but I don't have the floor anymore. It's time for Dave Milton's thoughts on the, uh, on the world juniors. What'd you think? Well, I, I just wanted to talk about some of the Blackhawks prospects that you, you you touched on a little bit earlier. Some of the guys that have really been, uh, the the one guy that really blew up on the radar, which I don't I, I forgot he was a Hawks prospect, to be honest with you, because I believe he was a fourth round pick, was uh Philip Kurashev for Switzerland, had a hat trick in one game, had the uh, tied with six goals for the tournament lead with um I believe somebody from Canada. So um uh, just just seeing uh Twitter ablaze about a Hawks fourth round pick from twenty eighteen, I think. Um, that was pretty cool. I, th- I think that was encouraging compared to some of the other things that were going on with the parent club at the time. And then, uh, so so th- that was one. The other guy that, and I, I we were talking about this before we came on the air here, is everything I'm reading and hearing and seeing about Ian Mitchell just keeps making it seem like he's going to be in the lineup come October 2019 because he's there. He's not going to have anything left to prove at the college level. He had a great tournament with Team Canada, making a loaded Team Canada blue line that uh, first-round pick Nicholas Bodine did not make, as uh, worth mentioning. But I uh, just Ian Mitchell just seems like he's the guy right now. Of all the – you know, everyone talks about Boquist and Yoko Haru because they were first-round picks. But I, I, I think Corey Pronman said it at The Athletic with his rankings that came out this week that he's – uh, Mitchell's got the highest hockey pedigree right now out of all of them, or mm-hmm. just that he might be the, the the closest out of the players that are uh, on the doorstep of the NHL. He's probably the closest one to breaking through. And um, I, I can't wait to see him hopefully with the Blackhawks next year, because uh, it'll be nice to get some other guys on the blue line than what we've had to watch for the last so often. Oh, absolutely. And Mitchell looked the best in my opinion during uh, prospect camp as well, just kind of watching him do, run some of those drills, um, matching up basically stride for stride with Yokoharu. And again, this is before, you know, Mitchell went to, uh, you know, went back to the university of Denver to, uh, to play in his, uh, what is he a sophomore this year? Is he-, he is a sophomore this year. Yes. Yeah, his sophomore season there. So, um, you know, and he's been playing with Blake Hillman as well, who huh, also a Blackhawks prospect. So that's never a bad thing thing um well he, he was playing with hillman hillman's in rockford now i was gonna yeah we're right yeah with his with his first um i was gonna say with his first season in denver so that's nice a nice little revolving door that chicago mm-hmm. has out in uh, out in colorado but no i mean i like uh we can we can branch over from world junior talk into into pipeline talk um specifically mm-hmm. about the the top 25 under 25 um i think we may have undervalued um, Ian Mitchell at eight on our list before the season. Cause he's definitely having, yeah, he obviously had himself a tournament and is playing like crazy in Denver at the moment. Um, 
I know, uh, Dave, you've been keeping up a lot with the, uh, with the prospects. What, uh, what have been some of the guys that you've been keeping your eye on here, um, you know, coming into the, the remainder of this 2018-2019 season and guys you think are uh, really going to make a big splash into next year that maybe some Hawks fans might want to take us, uh, might want to start taking a look at? Yeah, well, Mitchell was probably the biggest one, and, and I was I was wrong. It was actually Scott Powers' update today at the Athletic that he he mentioned that Mitchell. Uh, th- there's the line is that there's some believe Mitchell will be the first of the Blackhawks up and coming defenseman prospects ready for the NHL. So it's uh, that it's not just my opinion of that. There's a lot of other people that are uh, coming around to that belief. And Mitchell, stand, stand your ground, stand your ground. It's a good take. <laughs> and Mitchell well, and, and Mitchell and Evan Barrett were uh, nominated for the Hobie Baker, which is college hockey's equivalent of the Heisman Trophy for people who might not be familiar with that. And we had somebody responded to the story. I think Brandon posted it, uh, the story about them getting nominated for the Hobie Baker. And someone pointed out that Dylan Sakura was nominated for it as well. But the big difference here is that Evan Barrett, who plays for Penn State, I believe is a junior this year or sophomore? He's a sophomore as well. Sophomore. Okay, and he's a sophomore, so is Ian Milter. When Hobie Baker finalists are underclassmen, that's that's a pretty big deal. If you go back, I remember this was a big debate last year when Will but- uh, Will Butcher from, I believe also from Denver, maybe from Colorado yeah. College. Okay, Denver. No Butcher one from Colorado College is going to do shit. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, sorry. <laughs> I'm just saying, they just, I mean, like, Havilland's there and they exist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so like, but yeah, but anyway, with, with the Hobie Baker award, uh, like if you win it as a senior, it's not as big of a deal in terms of NHL prospects, because a lot of the time those guys are like 22, 23 years old playing against guys. You know, there's a lot of 19 and 20 year olds in college hockey. So it's not quite as prestigious. It's like the 20 year olds that tear up a junior league playing against 17 and 18 year olds. It's not quite as impressive, but when you're an underclassman and you're winning the Hobie Baker, or at least getting nominated for it, that, that raises a few more eyebrows. I mean, some of the names of guys that won it as a senior, Will Butcher won it as a senior. And I don't think uh, he's, he's fine as a third pairing defenseman, but he's not going to, you know, revamp any, uh, he's not going to save any franchises. I also believe uh Jimmy VC was also a senior of the year that he won it and he's now playing in the NHL and he was, um, you know, not quite to the level, but then you look at the guys before him that were uh, underclassmen when they won the Hobie Baker. And those two guys are Jack Eichel and Johnny Goudreau. So if you get that type of impact from someone like Mitchell or Barrett, when they get to Chicago, it's, it's again, it's, it's, it's maybe getting a little ahead of myself there, but um, there that's, that's a very encouraging sign that, two Blackhawk prospects who are sophomores in college got nominated for the Hobie Baker award. I mean, there are 81 players that were nominated too short. Um, All right. Well, <laughs> just like per, Thanks, Brandon. <laughs> it's, it's not like they're doing like a 25 player uh, watch list or something. There's, there's 81 players. I have no idea why they decide on that number, but that's what it is. It should be two digits higher in my opinion. Hey, I'm all for that. Um, yeah. Throw him off his game. <laughs> oh, I, I was the well, well, other prospects. I mean, obviously Adam Boquist um, is, a, is a big one that everyone's got their eye on. And everything you're reading about him is um, that he's been exactly what everyone expected him to be in London. And he also had a pretty good showing in the world juniors. Um, Nicholas Bodin had the, he had a wrist injury earlier in the season. Missed a few weeks. Uh, I think there was concern that it was going to be a lot longer than that. 
but he ended up coming back from that and uh he's been playing very well up in the QMJHL as has Kurashev the aforementioned Kurashev is also playing at a point per game pace up in the up in Quebec um Evan Barrett at Penn State we talked about a little bit there he's having kind of a breakout sophomore season it's kind of like what Dylan Sakura did and I think in Sakura's junior year mm-hmm. but Barrett's doing it a year younger so that's that's encouraging and, and the thing about him is everything you read about Evan Barrett is that he's projected as more of a two-way guy like everything I'm reading about him screams Dave Boland the way they're describing him and but he's having you know playing at a point per game he's this last time I checked he was tied for second among leading scorers in all of college hockey so Clearly, there's also some off, uh, offensive upside to his game, which is uh, impressive as well. And um, outside of that, I mean, the the big disappointment is that Jake Wise got hurt again and is out for the season because everyone talked about him as being one of the potential big steals of the draft. And then he uh, – it was upper body injury, right, Brandon? Yeah, that's what uh, Albie O'Connell uh, – Boston University's yeah. coach told the Athletic, uh, okay. and then there was a report from Mark Diver from the Providence Journal, uh, and he said it was a shoulder injury. I was gonna say, yeah, there was some turmoil around what exactly it was. I know we. Well, I not gonna. Elby's not gonna like give specifics on it, right? Uh, he'll probably probably a guy that would ask the kid, and the kid's gonna be like, "No, nah, don't say anything." Like just generalize it um especially with a guy like that who has just been snake bitten with injuries um granted he's come back from he came back from his last injury and was like hey let me show you something um so another boston connection there too obviously jake weiss and then you have uh, chad chris as well who also um scooted his way up our uh, top 25 under 25 list as well. So um, yeah. couple of- I think the one, the mm-hmm. one guy that people are really interested in um, is Mackenzie Entwistle. Um, oh, one, yeah. because that last name is phenomenal. <laughs> it um, is. Can confirm. All right. All right. Hang on. Do you guys know that, who else, that last name, the relevance of that last name, right? His dad? It's not his. It's not his dad, but it's the same last name as a famous musician. And I'll only be like ten percent disappointed if you guys don't know this. Oh, I got nothing. I guess you say you can. You can be ten percent disappointed. Uh, uh, it's the bassist from the Who, John Entwistle, who passed away like fifteen, twenty years ago. Uh, his nickname uh, was the Ox, and I, I, I did, I did not know that his nickname was the Ox. That came up in the Second City Hockey comment section. Um, but it was pointed out that the basis from the who has a oh, same. So I was going to say. So that means, so if you ever okay. see anybody, you're at our website and wondering who the heck the ox is, it's Mackenzie and Twist. Shout out to our there's comments. Your, there's, your, there's your classic rock lesson of the day. Hell yeah. Okay. And it's a good classic rock lesson as well. It's not uh, nothing else. Not, I, that's a decent, I'm a fan of the who. I think that, I think, I think the who qualifies as one of the top 10 best rock bands of all time. Yeah. All right, Brad. This is a this is a this is another take for another <laughs> podcast. But uh, I was, what I was, I, uh, I'm not I'm not going to argue you because yeah. What I was, uh, well, yeah, we're gonna and, we're just gonna there, dance right around that. It's only Roger Daltrey and John uh, Townsend left. But I was gonna say Pete Townsend. I, Pete dude, Townsend. That's not John Townsend. That's not him. Um, they were at the uh, the Allstate Arena not that long ago, and uh, it was so funny. the The crowd decided to uh, partake in 
let's let's call it recreational activities and uh, it literally took Pete Townsend to come out on stage cuz he's so old he literally comes out on stage as like hey you guys can't smoke in here i mean one it's still illegal and two i can't sing cuz i can't breathe cuz i'm old cuz there's smoke in this room so like <laughs> You guys have got to cut that out. So it's uh, you know that's my that's my Pete Townsend story. He is a pinball wizard. Um, so back what? to Ent Whistle. I was gonna say, oh. let's uh, go back. <laughs> yeah. So he All had. Right. Sorry, let me get back from this tangent. <clears throat> uh, so he had a goal in each uh, preliminary game for Canada at World Juniors in a fourth line pairing role, um, and he averaged, I think barely seven minutes of ice time um and not even a week after he returned to uh hamilton in the ontario hockey league he was traded to um the storm there the guelph storm there we go and uh that's a team that traded uh ryan malarkey who is a first or second round pick by San Jose. So it looked like they were just like, eh, we're not going to like try to compete. And at whistle was the first of, I believe two trades or three trades that they made at the CHL deadline to kind of load up for a playoff run. Um, so that's a team that is in the same division as London. So there's going to be three or four games, I believe left of this, of the regular season that they'll play against each other. So, that's, you know, I don't know if they're going to be on the, the ice at uh, the same time because Boquist is probably a second-pairing D-man uh, for London. Um, so, I mean, it's something fun to watch uh, to see that junior season as it develops. Um, I don't foresee anyone beating that London team because, holy moly, are they stacked. Which is good because that gives Adam Boquist as much playing time as possible. I was going to say, if you do some, yeah, right, right, all the way to the Memorial Cup, and someone, some team somehow beat them, so they have to go the distance in the Memorial Cup and drag that out. I'd be all for that. Absolutely, as, uh, as much as much time as he gets on North American ice, the better. Yeah, and so he doesn't have to play like the you know, eight or nine games or whatever it is in the NHL and avoid burning that uh, one year of his contract. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I don't I, I don't think the Hawks would call him up at the end of the season. I don't – well, I don't know. They Yeah, if they – Bring him up for the eight games or whatever it is so that he doesn't – Yeah, if it's under 10, I mean, it's not like they have anything to lose at this point. It'd be – Sure. The interesting thing would be who you sit because they've already got seven defensemen and – well, it's also who's left. <laughs> True. Yeah. Yeah. After the trade deadline, it might be who's left. Yeah. Are you, are you rolling with like, um, God, I just blanked. Um, <laughs> damn it. Who's the guy from the Czech Republic that they, that's on the ice hogs. Not, not, uh, not, not Jan y- Ruda. <laughs> y- Yoni, uh, Tulula. Yoni Tulula. Yeah. Yeah. Yoni. Yeah. If you have like Yoni and, uh, Yoni, like Blake Hillman and Darren Radish, Dennis Gilbert, Dennis Gilbert. Yeah, that means you've like shipped off Gustafson and Murphy, probably, and someone else. But um, 
We'll we'll get to that at another pod, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can talk about what the Blackhawks we what we wish they could trade, but what nobody will probably take. That's yeah. uh, I was gonna say that's, that's although, the break although as long as Peter Chiarelli has a job, you know, right? You never know. And then I think another prospect that people probably aren't um, looking into too much is Brandon Hagel, which like surprise surprise oh, that yeah. I bring that guy up. Yeah, um, <laughs> stunner for the brand. <laughs> But he's top six in the in scoring in the WHL, which is of the three like CHL leagues. That's like the lowest one of them all. Um, but still, like the guy didn't get signed by Buffalo, and his draft rights expired. Blackhawks picked him up, and he's just been using it as motivation and changed up his you know offseason workload, and it's paid off. Um, every single time I go to the stats page to see how he's done with Red Deer, it's like, oh, well, another multi-point game. Or, you know, scored at least a goal. So um, he's pushing and, that team. And and he he's kind of what we were talking about earlier with a guy that's – he's 20 years old playing in a league where there's a lot of 17, 18, and 19-year-olds. So there's some physical maturity that he has that's going to make him better than everyone else. But – 60 points in 38 games is 60 points in 38 games. Like that's, it's pretty damn impressive. So, you know, yeah. and he's definitely someone where I wish the ice hogs were in contention for a playoff spot, which they definitely are not in um, because he'd be a great addition after his junior season ends to join the ice hogs and maybe get like a playoff series in with them. Um, it would all just depend on like scheduling to see mm-hmm. if he, uh, his junior season would end and could join the Ice Hogs, but I feel like that's probably a spot that he'll have in their lineup next season. All right, so taking a look then at the rest of our uh, top 25 under 25 list, um, we kind of talked about some of the uh, the prospects, uh, the young guns that uh, that have been moving their way up the list. Now it's time to uh, to take a look at some of the players that have gone the other direction, uh, namely my guy, or who another was my guy. Man, all of my guys this year were trash, from Jan Ruda to Victor Aidzel, who uh, who got bounced off of our top twenty five under twenty five, at least the midseason rankings. And I'm not entirely sure Aidzel's had any playing time in Rockford this season either. But that is uh that's been a bit of a disaster. Same with uh Gustav Forsling, John Hayden, a couple other names. So uh Dave, why don't you uh why don't you take us down the uh the dark path of players <laughs> that are going the wrong direction on our top twenty five under twenty five list. I think Edzel's one of the biggest ones just because at the at the start of the year we you know there was he came on late last season and he didn't look bad. I remember he like he did, he did, well, didn't blow any doors off, but he, he was looked clutch. like a, he looked like a competent NHL player. And then he went down to Rockford and was part of that major run of the playoffs that they had. Mm-hmm. And then, if I remember correctly, he went to that prospect tournament in Traverse City. And didn't he fare really well there? Too? Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. I was gonna say. I think he had three or four goals across three or four games. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So we we had him at number seven in August in the top twenty five under twenty five. Then what and, happened? And now he's off our list, <laughs> which is that's an impressive leap. And then uh, fall uh, ejection, impressive fall, I guess, instead of a leap. But anyway, and I'm I'm looking at Scott Powers' listings, and he is a top twenty five prospects. 
which is slightly different criteria than ours, but overall pretty similar. He had Edsel all the way down to 21. So so we're not total idiots because we know Scott Powers is definitely the opposite of that. <laughs> that or Scott Powers is a total idiot and he's hanging out with us idiots. Okay. Well, love, love Scott Powers. <laughs> well, he, you know, to be fair to Edsel, he did miss a month of action with an injury. So there's mm. there's that. Um, that kind of, I imagine that had to have some sort of effect on him, but he just, I, I think the disappointment with him started when he didn't break training camp with the team. Mm-hmm. Cause I think everyone is expecting him and Sakura to break training camp with the team and neither one of them did. And then he went down to Rockford and he's just not scoring down in Rockford by, and by any, any means at all. And I'm trying to pull up his stats. He's got 15 points in 30 games, which is uh not great, Bob, uh, so, so I think he's – I don't know if I'd call him the biggest disappointment, but he's certainly in the conversation. Not great for a guy that you traded for Ryan – or you traded Ryan Hartman and Jordan Osterley yeah. for. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, they, they still got a first-round pick out of it. It was just Hartman. Yeah. Was Hartman in, in a Hart- fifth in this year's draft, yeah. I think. And they still and got – And they got in and they got the first-round pick that became Bowden, so. And the fourth round that became Kershev. There – Oh, all right. Well, I was so, all right. Well, that makes you makes you feel a lot better about that trade now, doesn't it? Um, and I guess, and I guess Damn, also in this, <laughs> in a similar similar vein, I think Dylan Sakura is a little bit of a disappointment because I thought, just like Edsel, you thought he was going to break camp with the team and and be a top nine guy, maybe even a top six guy, because he definitely has offensive upside. And you see, like you see the playmaking ability a little bit here and there. Like it sometimes like, he'd get the puck, and you could see that the game wasn't too fast for him. Like he'd see, he'd see the players moving. He'd see the, he'd be able to anticipate somebody, a scoring opportunity developing and, and put the puck there to make that play happen. But um, as I wrote in the top 25 rankings, he's 23 years old. So uh, like he's got like this calendar year to figure it out or get off he, the pot. Yeah, exactly. Or someone's coming up behind him, you know, 19-year-old Evan Barrett or 19-year-old Khrushchev is going to come up behind him and take his spot from him. A newly healthy Jake Wise when he comes back. Or, or Yeah, there, there's plenty of guys that are several years younger than him waiting to take his spot. So he's he doesn't have the time that some of those other guys do. Um, and then uh, other disappointments, I mean, Gustav Forsling's a big one just because um, I, I think the biggest thing with him is he still hadn't, like we thought he was going to be on the Nick Schmaltz plan where he you know he he looked good at the NHL level for a while and then he faded a little bit got sent back down to the AHL and you're hoping he would come back to the NHL level and then take off and it hasn't really happened i don't imagine the preseason injury that he had uh was any sort of help mm. but that that's another guy that just and and Forsling is 22 years old so um just like Sakura like at some point you just got to cut bait and um, t- t- take that loss and move him out at the deadline with someone else. Mm-hmm. Cause uh, with Forsling, like I, I think I'm pretty much given up on Forsling being any, anything living oh, up yeah. to any of the billing that he had, maybe in the NHL, like third liner at, at the most, but it just, it seemed at the end of last season when he was with the Hawks, he was at least trending upwards mm-hmm. when it, came to to team play in the NHL and then yeah, yeah how's that did, going for you now yeah then he did he got called to Rockford and you know he had a decent uh he had a decent run in there in the Calder Cup playoffs as well was making at least a, a, a little bit of an impact and it started mm-hmm. to seem along with John Hayden who we'll get to in a minute and you know between 
him, Aidzel, and Hayden it was one of those like, ah, this could be a fun little third line that in mm-hmm. 2019, you know, ends up making at least a decent impact. And none of those guys have made an impact. Forsling, in fact, is, I think has gone the other way. Um, at least with his defensive play, man, how many times have we written in our stock reports like Forsling, what are you doing? Why are you <laughs> lost in this play? I'll be like, there goes the puck. Why are you letting it get behind you? <laughs> oh man it yeah. he's definitely one of the ones i know at least from um from how closely we've been watching the defense he's been a big one that we've all been extremely underwhelmed at by uh this season. and then there's john hayden yeah and and hayden just i don't know hayden's a weird thing cause just because i i always thought like he i remember he had in his first nhl time i think it was two seasons ago he just he looked that was like the best he ever looked to me, it seemed. Mm-hmm. And like ever since that really good start, uh, like way back, I think it was two seasons ago, I, I, there's just, he hasn't really done anything that's jumped off the screen at you. I mean, he, he's got a big body. He's willing to go in front of the net. But at some point, you, your biggest attribute can't just be the fact that you're 6'4". At some point, you know, you, there has to be some hockey mm-hmm. things that you can do and and it doesn't seem like Hayden's quite putting it all together. So, um, and the clock's ticking on him just like it is on Sakura and um, Sakura and Forsling because he's not that young either. And I'm sure the Hawks can find somebody else that's six four that'll stand in front of the net. So, mm. and one of those wingers that they did find to uh, kind of figure things out was uh, everybody's favorite, Mister uh, Dominic Cahoon. Hashtag Cahoon face. Man, has he been like? a great addition to the NHL lineup this season from basically out of nowhere. Oh yeah. A guy, when they signed him, I remember thinking like, all right, that that's nice. Like, you know, like I I didn't expect him to be, he he sounded like a guy that was going to be fringe NHL player and, and maybe an an NHL level guy just because Germany is not exactly the hockey hotbed that you think of in Europe. What makes you think that Dave? (laughs) <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> oh my god, Brandon, you've been sitting awfully quiet <laughs> over there. Do you have any words? I mean, I think that our expectations for Cahoon were kind of tampered based on what we had seen from David Camp. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of why he shot up so much because we were like, well, we've already seen what a guy can do coming out of some like. European league that's not like you know the greatest right not not the European Scandinavian hotbed right Um, there's there's, yeah good players in the Swiss league I mean they're not like exceptional or anything but there's some good players there Mm -hmm. Um, that might just be me wanting to watch HC Davos and like the church of hockey but um, (laughs) yeah um, he's definitely the the one that's risen the most, aside from Kurashev in the rankings. Um, mm-hmm. And I think everyone else that's that you've seen like slide down in the rankings for the most part has just been the influx of players since we did the rankings back in August. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of new guys. Yeah, and it's I think like the, new, to the, new to the organization, like like Kurashev and Cahoon. Like I remember, I remember writing a lot of like unranked in the past because they were either like 
unknown commodities or not even with the team at that time. Yeah, but I I think you also have to look at guys. For example, we were talking all about Alexander Fortin and how he was going to be a you know a, a solid player with a lot of promise for 2018, and he obviously had his time in the NHL, and it's been you know like eh from there. Um, still waiting on Yoni Tallula. I mean, Luke Johnson's been eh. Uh, same with Dennis Gilbert. Man, Dennis Gilbert as well has also been a little underwhelming um, with his first season in the AHL as well. But um, yeah, and like the the two Russian forwards are just so hard to grade because their names the are hard to pronounce. Well, I mean, it's yes, just, it's, is, Ky- it's Kayamov, and good luck with the other one. Yep. <laughs> yeah, um, because the the way that KHL contracts work out is to where those players can't participate in NHL development camps. So the Blackhawks are basically like, Hey, we like you. We hope you're going to go to a team that has a good development system and you can become good enough to where we can bring you up in the AHL. Yeah. Actually have a hand on your development. Um, and the one that made our list um, was Arthur. Here it comes <laughs> Artie Alti Barmakan or Barkman. We'll go with Barkman. I like that. Bar- yeah, Barkman's not bad. Yeah, uh, he's with Sochi. He was a uh, honorable Barkman. mention. Um, but um, Koymyov made the list, and he is the prospect that checked the dude in the face, punched an official. And was suspended for 13 games. Had himself a day is what he did. Um, he, <laughs> you guys will like this. He, he ran the train on that guy because he plays for Locomotive. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's, I mean, Locomotive's a team that he's going to get more minutes uh, than he was, you know, at his previous stop. And I haven't watched any KHL games intently this season. I can't believe that you, you haven't watched the <laughs> KHL. <laughs> I used to watch SKA like pretty religiously. Because he doesn't live in Ow. Wyoming anymore. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he no longer lives in, in the land of bison or bison. Right. No, that's bison. a place with indoor plumbing now. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. Don't have to like, you know, put the, Put the firewood in the stove and <laughs> shout out to the outhouse out in the backyard. Um, so those are two players that are just hard to grade. Um, but they're twenty and twenty one, I think, respectively. So um, mm. still young, plenty of time to develop. Um, Koymyov's contract, KHL contract, doesn't come up till twenty twenty one, but his agent has said his client is willing to come over to North America. So not sure that that happens before the summer, but something that possibly could happen. So then he's at the development camp and then toils in the AHL for next season. I don't know. but mm. And then uh, on the other if thing, you want to go deep. That's something to look for. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing too, though, is like you guys were talking about just the shift in players that either got brought into the organization or were removed from the organization, which a guy that, uh, that jumped immediately into our top 15 was Brendan Perlini. 
Um, and obviously Dylan Strom, who's uh, up in our top five as well. Spoiler alert, if you haven't read the article yet, which it should be up uh, coming up this weekend. But it's, it, it's interesting just looking at the top five, how our number one player heading into this season was Nick Schmaltz. And, uh, yeah, I mean, with, with who the Hawks have now, and we're going to go a little bit off script here with the, uh, with the show, but from who Chicago has now, would you still keep Nick Schmaltz in the top three, given that you have Alex DeBrinkett, who's definitely moved up from our second spot at the beginning of the year. He's clearly moved up to the number one. That's a no brainer. Um, Yokoharu, who's was up in the top three, and then the addition of Dylan Strom. I, what do you think the value was, or at least the turnaround was on on that deal, Brandon? Uh, I think Schmaltz wouldn't be in the top three. It would be. I don't know. It'd take a lot, of, a lot of thinking to whether Schmaltz or Strom would. Like which one would go higher on the list? Um, I believe I had on my list that, like my ballot that I submitted for this, I had Strom a bit farther down, like seventh or something on my mm. list. Um, so, but that's because you watch KHL hockey. <laughs> Used to watch KHL hockey. None of the KHL guys were, they were like way at the bottom. So get out of here with that. But um, yeah, I think that'd be, that'd be interesting. Um, I haven't talked to any of the, uh, the Arizona um, SB Nation peeps, but um, I'm sure if they were to retool their top 25 list, um, Schmaltz would probably be in their top five for sure. He, he has, I mean, he's got, um, I got his stats up. He's got 14 points in 17 games with Arizona. I think he got hurt for a little bit, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, no, I he's think... out for the season, right? Yeah. I, yeah, he... I forget. I, he's out for the season now. I, I thought yeah. I thought he got hurt and came back. I know he's out for the season. So, I mean. No, if they're, you... a, they're a walking hospital ward. <laughs> like, they cannot catch a good break. I'm, oh, my God. I'm, I'm looking at their list right I'm looking at their injury list, and at the it's, top of the list is Dave good. Boland. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Speaking of hospital ward, yeah, but no, yeah, the Kevin Connaughton, Jason Demers, Christian Dvorak, Michael Grabner, Antti Ranta, Brad Richardson, Nick Schmaltz, and is I, that good? Are they doing the thing? <laughs> oh my god! And and they had uh, they had one guy that just scored a goal off his face, Connor Garland. I don't know if you guys saw that. He got cross-checked in the back, and as he was getting up, he was right next to the goal on the power play, got cross-checked in the back, and as he was standing up, Jordan Osterley shot from the point, hit him in the eye, and went in the net. And he, I'm watching the Coyotes and Sharks right now, and they just showed him on the bench, and his face is all sorts of purple and yellow. But he got a power play goal out of it. I was going to say a power play goal. You know what? They could really use a veteran yeah, left winger, you know, maybe potentially a guy that's got some Stanley Cup experience, uh, perhaps formerly played with Tampa. I think we could probably get a good deal for Chris Kunitz to go to Arizona, don't you think? <laughs> I think I think Brent Seabrook would look great in Arizona. You would look great. You'd look great in maroon and cream or maroon and dirt or whatever the <laughs> whatever the light color. What's the color? Desert red. No, it's desert red and what? Somebody's got to call the black. 
Got to call the SCH stats department on that one. We'll get back to you on that. Um, but anyways, the uh, the the top five. And again, if you're if you're listening to this before reading the post, uh, the top five is uh, from five to one. It is Colin Delio, who by far, I think, even though Delio went from I think he was twelfth over the summer now to five, I still think that that's a monumental jump for him. Um, compared to where he was even after the uh, the end of the playoffs because that dude figured his stuff Delia out. Delia's not number five. <laughs> Is he not? I thought he was number five. No, he's number four. Strom's uh, five. I've got, I, from what I'm looking at, Delia five, Strom four, Boquist three, Yokoharu two, and Alex Debrink at one. Clearly our editors... You're, you're, you're looking at the wrong one, I think. Yeah, go go two columns to the left. I got one that's highlighted. We gotta. Uh, we Sorry, gotta... we're teaching Brad how to read. I'm. I'm actually. I'm. I'm reading the. Uh, I'm reading the. Uh, the editorial, or at least I'm reading straight off the post that Brandon's got right now on the website. So. Uh, oh. Oh. So Brandon's got it wrong. Maybe. Maybe our editors got it wrong. Either way, this is the hey, process. Don't, 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 don't include. Edition. Don't say editors. It's oh, me. you're in the. You're in the. Okay. I'm in, in the, the article. Yeah. So I'll. I'll flip those. But yeah. I'm gonna so. take. I'm p- taking people back inside the process. Um, as y'all, as y'all know, we need all the help we can get. Shout out to the editing staff of uh, Second City Hockey, which you're actually listening to two of the three, well, two of them, <laughs> and it's not me. Anyways, um, I can barely spell my own name. Uh, so, anyways, we'll put Colin Delia in tied for fourth with Dylan Strom at the moment. <laughs> oh my God. And then, uh, then uh, Adam Boquist, number three, Hank Yokoharu at two, and Al Debrinkit, number one. I I think that's all pretty self-explanatory, gentlemen. Don't you think? I I almost like want to revisit my Boquist Yokoharu ranking. I almost want to put Boquist back up at two, just because every the the that's ceiling on, the ceiling. <laughs> The ceiling on him just seems so much higher than Yokoharu's. I mean, not that he Yokoharu hasn't been good, like for for a nineteen year old making his NHL debut. Like, there's, it's pretty impressive what he's done this season. He hasn't been perfect by any means, but he hasn't done anything to to make us Gustav forcing him all the way down our list, <laughs> which is much, which is very encouraging. But uh, just uh, Bokus just seems like the real deal, and so I. I like you were saying, Brad. Like Debrinket's number one, undoubtedly. Like he's Debrinket's been so good, and there was if you had a concern about a sophomore slump, he's already killed it, and he's gonna he's on pace for like thirty five goals from the third line. He's pretty. For some reason, he's still on the third line last year. Yeah, well, but yeah. So, um, but yeah, I I that that top five list is um. It, it's encouraging because I, I think there's some legit players on there for for a chain. Like, I, th- I felt like there was always in in recent years with the Hawks top five, it was always like guys you were. It was like a yeah but scenario. Like with, with Schmaltz, it's like yeah you're encouraged, but you don't know where he's. Like there was still a lot of doubt about him, and I'm mm-hmm. sure Hartman was probably on that list at some point. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, there's there's a lot of other guys on a top twenty five under twenty five list that you know didn't pan out. I say the probably the majority of them didn't pan out of guys that were on those lists. So that kind of left it at least left us wanting more or yeah, had us yeah. like, okay, go ahead and prove it sort of a mentality. Ex- exactly. So I, I feels like like this group there's 
it just feels like the ceiling's a lot higher for this group than it's been for other groups. And part of that is just, you know, the fact that Boquist was a top 10 pick and the Hawks hadn't had a top 10 pick since Patrick Kane. So, and, um, and just yeah, the way that he turn out, he turned out pretty well. And, and just the way, like the way that DeBrinket, who was a second round pick is just exploding up the list. So yeah, like, look, I've got the top 25. This is from 2016. I want to say, yeah, oh, twenty six. So here, here, number five, Vili Poca. Good. Here, let's, let's go down to ten. Oh, God. Ten, Mark McNeil. Nine, oh, John Hayden. Eight, Tyler Mott. Seven, Vinny Henestroza. Six, Ryan Hartman. Five, Vili Poca. Paca, whatever. Four is Debrinket. Three is Gustav Forsling. Good. Number two is Nick Schmaltz, and number one was Artemi Panarin. I think they got He's the top pretty, three. So pretty Panarin good. was pretty good. Yeah, that's a, that's not a bad top three. Got I that guess. got that take right, Satchel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, let's see if I can pull up twenty fourteen here real quick, just for funsies. I got I got twenty fifteen. Uh, Brendan Sod's gonna be in there somewhere for fifteen. For uh, so here, oh my god, this is so this would have been before Panarin made it. Made his NHL debut, so this is 2015. Right, yeah. So, Sod's so in there. McNeil 10, Philly Deneau at 9, Hartman 8, Trevor Van Riemsdyk at 7, oh. Polka at 6, Nick Schmaltz at 5, Andrew Shaw at number 4, Ooh. Panarin at 3, Marco Dano at oh. number 2. No. <laughs> well, he, he had – there was a ton of hype on him. I remember there was a ton yeah. of hype. That was the satchel train. I was not about that life. <laughs> and, and, and number 1 – and this 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 just hurts my heart. This table terrified. Oh, smell that coming. Still upset about it. Where's still, Brendan Sod on that list? He that was after he got traded away, wasn't? Yeah. 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 He was. Oh, he, 15. He, 2015. I'm sorry. I was gonna say yeah, because Sod then was on the 14 list. Because Sod had to have been up there on the 14 list. Yeah, I I couldn't find a 2014 list. Maybe it wasn't done in 2014. But yeah, yeah. so there you go. It was. It just. It's not in the. Um, that, group. that one's that one's been archived. That one's in the stats ah, department, yeah, along yeah, with all the empty yeah. pizza boxes. <laughs> yeah, I have to, I have to go digging the Absolutely. Absolutely. Final uh, final take of the evening, gentlemen. As we uh, as we wrap up this edition of the uh, Second City Hockey Podcast. Um, hey, Brandon, could you? kick or would you think or do you think you would have been able to kick the uh, 43 yarder in decent conditions out in front of goose island uh probably not but i was a punter in high school he's a punter so you, you were so you, you were also not a football player could you punt the ball i was a defensive back as well oh, okay 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 sorry on the, on, the, wait, on, the wait, wait. on a scale of Chris Conti to Eddie Jackson, where were you? <laughs> he was as far as what? Uh, your DV abilities. He was approximately a oh. uh, Jeremy Lincoln. <laughs> well, I was like... I have no idea. I never like saw Brandon. Five, he's he's in the R.W. McCorders range. Hey, I was I probably like 5'4 in high school and like 120, 130. Oh, so he's a beast. So... So, so you were like an uh, an undersized uh, Nathan Vasher. Yeah, but oh. no one threw to me. How dare so, you? I mean, oh, so you just you the island. I was gonna say you invisit you, you intimidated them. Intimidated them clearly. Um, <laughs> this is a yeah, island. The, the class one A life. 
1A football, oh, buddy. Tens of people in attendance for that one. Uh, yeah, when you throw the ball, it's like freaking Jesus came back. <laughs> so so it was just it was triple option all day? Is that what you're saying? No, Yeah, it was. It was like you, you oh, slap the left knee me. or you slap the right knee, and that's where the... You know, the ball's going. A lot of play fakes in that offense. Just <laughs> a lot of play fakes. Dave, do you think you had a chance at free beer for life? Or It wasn't free beer for life. It was a trip to a playoff game, and then if you hit the 65-yarder, you got to go to the Super Bowl. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, that's right. They changed it because they couldn't get the... The free beer because of uh, Illinois law. Yeah, that's right. I remember seeing yeah, that. Yeah, fix page. that, Pritzker. I was going to say, dear Pritzker, <laughs> fix that shit. That's terrible. Man, I would I would love to sit here and tell you that I think I could have. I, I might have got close. I don't think I would have made it. I, I have I have a younger sibling who was a field goal kick or a field goal kick, a kicker in high school who probably would have drilled it, but uh, in, in, in good mm-hmm. conditions. I have a brother and a cousin who kicks at uh, St. Francis in, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and they, I feel like each of them would have made it or come very close. And I feel like I would have gotten not as close as them, but I probably would have landed in the end zone. Cause I think the, the biggest thing, those footballs are very large. Like I don't think people realize how oh, big yeah. those balls are. You're kicking a pretty big piece of leather, mm-hmm. which is well, much, like the... much more difficult than shooting the puck at the United center. The oh. weird thing was the, uh, um, the MLS Super Draft and the NWSL College Draft was in town, and no one from there that I like read about went and did the competition. Well, like, the very first guy was like from I think Fenwick High School, which I believe is a very good, uh, respectable like, like they're a pretty program. prestigious football program in Illinois. I'm not as familiar with the high school football scene. I mean, they're no, they're no Lake Zurich high school, but I don't know. But, but like the guy had like a, he had the Fenwick uh, high school practice Jersey on he, and he had two different cleats on, which is if uh, the only thing I know about kickers is if you got two different cleats on, you might know what you're doing. So <laughs> yeah, uh, you just have to be wearing two different you shoes. Have, you have different. You have different. Like, there's different footing. I know kickers Does, are weird. Doesn't mean he got dressed in the dark. No, no, no. No, it means no. He might know what he's doing. Have, it's like different, like cleat lengths for the plant foot and the kicking foot. It's. I, I said I have a brother who's a kicker. We we've talked about this before. This so, is true. Um, but yeah, he I he he looked legit until he wiped out. Like I I would have loved to seen what he could have done on a good day because I I feel like I would have expected one or two people to make that, but. Or at least um, give it, or at least give it a run. You know, you may have missed was, wide left or wide right. One, I saw one kick that got like within like twenty yards, and it was way, it was way wide left. And I don't know if it, I don't know if it went deep enough, but um, yeah, there's, it's, 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 and and the other thing that nobody realizes, I think, when you're just kicking at a day like that, like you. It's easier to kick just a 43 error like that, but then you also have to factor in when you're kicking in a football game, you have to kick it over a line of scrimmage of 300-pound beasts. Well, they did, put, they did put that, uh, that chain-link fence up to yeah, kind of simulate I, that, yeah, which I, I can I understand. I saw that, but I, yeah, it's, it's, you still have to get a lot more lift on it. I, for me, it's the T because they had the ball on a T as opposed to somebody holding it, which is a big... No, it, well, they just had the like the PVC pipe arm thing that kickers use. Like it's not a, 
It's not. It's not. It wasn't raised at all. It was. Like, oh, I thought it was on a tee. Either way, no, yeah, it was, it was like ball on a tee on the ground. They just have like some like arm thing that holds it in place. Sure. And so um, yeah, that's how NFL kickers are kicking it off the ground. My my take as we uh, as we as we come to the end of this, I so what we used what we used <laughs> to do in the uh, in the old marching band back in the U of I days, you know, because the football team wasn't so great. Actually, I take that back. Back in uh, back in my day, they are, they were actually the only team to beat RG three in a bowl game. If you can believe that, thank you, Richard Mendenhall, for that. But uh, what we used to do uh, during practice in the stadiums. Uh, once a week, uh, either before uh, the rehearsal and or after the rehearsal, is you could kick field goals in Memorial Stadium in Champaign, which uh, there's a crap ton of wind. That building is impossible to try to kick in just because of how much wind moves through that thing because, hey, you're in central Illinois. There's a lot of wind and no real elevation change to block it. Um, I did at one point – uh, develop enough consistency and leg strength to uh, to get a 48 yarder to go. Um, mind what, you, that was 2011. And uh, what, what football? Like, what type of football were you kicking? Oh, a Nerf football, of course. Oh, um, <laughs> come on! No, no, legitimate, like, legitimate when I was, college when I was football. Like 16, I kicked a. I think it would have been a 45-yard field goal during – we were goofing off during halftime from a Pop Warner football games. It was like a 45-yarder with a TDJ, which is maybe half the size of an NFL. Oh, football. yeah. No, no, no. None, so, of the, none of the small ball crap. No, it was yeah. a legitimate-sized college football um, and, you know, it pumped up the whole way. The, the team may or may not have lost a few of them underneath the uh, the, the stands in, a, in one specific spot that I won't disclose because they might still lose a – football there from time to time um that uh that we would collect and then ultimately had footballs to kick and uh yeah no i do have i do hate it i do have a 48 yarder uh on my uh, on my kicking resume of course that was video? eight that do was eight years ago um i think there's video of me grabbing a 38 yarder with room to spare on facebook somewhere you know what i feel like at some point this summer now i want to set up a 43 yard field goal somewhere and just see if i can make it Oh no 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 the the one that we need to do and now that you've mentioned it and definitely for those of you that have still managed to hang on and listen to this damn show um we thank you seriously for uh we really joining, do. Jo- joining this because you notice how much we've talked about the actual Blackhawks today because that's how much fun it is that's how much fun it is to watch <laughs> that team um I think what we're going to have to do is in some way say in some way shape or form simulate shoot the puck and try to see how easy and or how difficult it is to get, you know, to, to shoot the puck when you've got the three openings and then the, uh, the center opening, we, we might need to have to, uh, we might need to have to simulate that in video form for the, uh, for the good people, either on the Twitter or on the website and or the Facebook. So keep an eye open for that. Cause we might, uh, we might talk to some people about doing that, but in the meantime, uh, when you're listening to this, the Blackhawks play at uh, Madison square garden against the New York Rangers at uh, 6 PM. Uh, they also have a game uh, coming up on Sunday at the United center against the, Stanley Cup, uh, defending Stanley Cup champion, uh, Alex Ovechkins. Um, that's a day game. That's the 11.30 game, which I don't hate 11.30 starts. That's uh, that's not too bad for watching hockey, especially in the wintertime when it's a little bit nicer out. You go and grab McDonald's breakfast, do the thing. It's not a bad little viewing experience. But, uh, but check out those two games. Again, 
secondcityhockey.com for the top 25 under 25 mid-season review. There's also some good posts there from our six staff writers, which we appreciate the, uh, the hard work and the effort from all of them. And, uh, yeah, other than that, that's, uh, Dave Melton. He's underscore Dave Melton on Twitter. That's Brandon M. Kane on the other side. I'm TCR Brad, and we're at second to ND City Hockey. So, uh, give us a, uh, give us a shout out there on the Twitter or on the Facebook. Again, we do appreciate your support of the show and your listening and your feedback in the comment section. We do see you and we do read those. So keep them coming. And uh, again, we will have a, uh, an Ask SCH show coming up here uh, during the All-Star break. So get your questions ready for, uh, for potentially a live show. Maybe we do a call-in show. We'll have to see how that works. But uh, in the meantime, uh, I'll take a point uh, over over any which team at this point in the game. I'll take a couple of overtime losses. Let's at least keep it semi-close. And, uh, yeah, go Hawks. We'll, we'll talk to everybody later. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da